Welcome back to Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. I'm Aiden Driscoll. And I'm Margaret Slater. And today, Marge is joining me to discuss the question, is all storytelling emotional manipulation? And I tell you the story of about me falling off a skateboard. <laughs> it's quite the time. I also took off Marge's toenail, and we talk about Minnesota being the land of 10,000 lakes. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of Between Takes. I would always end with them sleeping, but I never. <laughs> and then suddenly that became the conflict. Right. Was, yeah, that's yeah. the weird thing. It seemed pretty chill for the first like 10 pages yeah. or whatever, and then all of a sudden it took a, and then took all a turn. Of a sudden, <laughs> read Tad and Dad. Yeah. It's probably not. Tad and Dad. Welcome back to the show, folks. Welcome to the show, Marge. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Marge just read me this book called Tad and Dad. It's like a little children's. It was profound. It was profound. To say the least. It's definitely thought provoking. Yeah. My first thought was, what? And then the second thought was, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The moral of the story was the Tad who was a tadpole. Aiden got it. I didn't get it. After me, which surprised me. Because they were frogs. (laughs) Um, They're frogs. Yeah, they're frogs. And it turns out Tad is right. And the dad was wrong. Well, he wasn't even wrong. He just was impatient and grumpy one day. Yeah. It's not... Tad ran away. Yeah, so... Explain the moral of the story, Marge, from how you described it. <laughs> I think it. that was it. I don't think there was much more to it. Moral was like, run away from your parents and wait for them to ask you to come back yeah. and admit that you were correct. Absolutely. Yeah. That's Always good. Always works. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so it looks like you, did you take a little spill on the skateboard, Marge? Um, <laughs> yes. Um, thanks for bringing that You're up. You're welcome. Um, well, your arm does look kind of look like the arm of a mummy right now. You know... That's my new fashion choice, <laughs> <laughs> the new trend. But yeah, I decided to go down a bigger hill than maybe my <laughs> skill level allowed. <laughs> and so I I started going down it. And halfway down, I was like, this was a mistake. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So- but there was a family watching me on a park bench. <laughs> Watching the entire thing. Can't let them down. I can't. So I kept going, but I kept gaining speed. That's what well, happens. Yeah. I guess. If you just learning. That's how momentum things. works. Marge. Gravity. If I nothing kept stops going, you. Getting faster, and then I was thrown off. And I, I, the, my, the first thing my mind went to wasn't like, oh wow, I'm bleeding. It went to there's the people watching me. me. So I jumped up and I was like, I'm okay, I'm, I'm fine. And I gave them like a thumbs up, and then kind of like skateboarded in a way, and then just like climbed up a hill and hid behind some bushes until I thought they left, and then I walked back to my car. It yeah. looks like your hands got pretty scraped up there. Yeah. It, Oof. It's better now. Did it? Does it hurt? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, yeah. Marge. Well, thank you. That's too bad. Pride cometh before the literal fall. <laughs> but Pride also came after the fall. Yeah. You pretended no, to, I kept. Yeah. I you thought I learned my lesson. <laughs> I did not. I kept going. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, yeah. cool. Would you? So you think that would have been? 
take pride out of the picture and whether or not the family was there, but like if the family wasn't yeah. there, would you think the injury would have been better or worse if you would have just tried jumping off and bailing? I don't know. Mm. I think I would have been like, I think I would have uh, would have still been like, oh no, I can do this. So <laughs> even if there was no one watching, <laughs> but it just added insult to injury uh, that there were people there to yeah. witness it. So did yeah. you like hit something and go over, or you just gained uh, no. so much speed you just like it fell just off? It was a lot of speed. <laughs> so you were <laughs> just standing out one minute, and then your body was just like, "We're yeah, we're leaving." See, I'm realizing when you're skateboarding and going down a hill, and I knew this before I did it. <laughs> But for whatever reason, in the moment, I forgot about this technique. But you're supposed to, like, like weave back and forth. And that helps, like, slow like you slow down. down. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. But I did not, as you can tell right. by my arm. Um, and I just kept going straight. And my whole board was shaking. Ah. And, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to workshop Monday. And hopefully we'll be better. Okay. What's workshop? <laughs> workshop for my skateboarding. Ah, okay. For my new career. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Tony Hawk Jr. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the show today. You're welcome. Yeah. <clears throat> Rock on. Would so, you like to tell another injury story? Did you have another injury? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From way back when, you mean? Yes. Yeah, one From time. From one time when Aiden... <laughs> inflicted I inflicted <laughs> pain great upon pain. me for like I didn't know this but it was like a year and a half later where you're like yeah I still don't well I'll tell the story first <laughs> so we were doing a dress rehearsal we were doing a production of Arsenic and Old Lace fun time right and we were putting it together in like two weeks so it was a pretty chaotic production and we were like 14 or 15 or something mm-hmm. and it was your sister Caitlin who was directing it yep. and um yeah the we we had run through a bunch of things we hadn't run through the entire show yet. And this was the dress rehearsal. This is the night before we opened. And so we were like, well, let's run through the production. So we get through probably the first 11 minutes <laughs> or something. And your character like sits my character down in a chair. And so like you are like setting me down in the chair just as I'm like pulling the seat forward. <laughs> and like right as like I lift it up a little bit to move forward. And then right as it goes down, it lands on your big toe. Yep. And with it, comes your toenail and you like kind of hobble off stage with Sam I didn't really notice it then but then a minute later you're kind of walking out of the room and Caitlin's like again that pride trying to come back right so me and Monica are going on with our scene and then you're hobbling out of the room and Caitlin's like what's going on and you're like um (laughs) my foot's bleeding and there's a good amount of blood at that point dripping off your foot and so Caitlin like follows you out into the hallway and she turns around and looks at us all (laughs) And just goes, just white face, just completely blank. Just goes like, "Well, this dress rehearsal is officially a disaster." And then walks out of the room and leaves us alone with those thoughts. And someone found my toenail. Was yeah, it, didn't Justin probably like, pick yeah. it up from the floor? Right. Yeah. Was he trying to feel? Maybe if we freeze it, we can reattach it. Maybe. Yeah. Ten second rule. I felt so bad. I didn't know how much it hurt until later. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it big insecurity really for me. I'm sorry. No, I'm. Joking. What your toenail? Yeah. Is it still looking it's bad? It's gross. Oh, I'm sorry, no, Marge. it's okay. I keep it painted, and that helps the mm. the complexion. So for the past, like, <laughs> six years, you've been living with this insecurity? Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm sorry, And Marge. now we're telling it to the world. Yeah. But I think that's best. Yeah. Embrace my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Embrace my toenail. <laughs> Shout it. 
Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> that's definitely not. I wear what... shoes more. Which Do you? My neighbors would be relieved about. Yeah. Yeah. You were kind of like me, pretty stubborn about not wearing not shoes. Not being most of the barefoot. Time. Yeah. Oh yeah. There was a time when I was like thirteen or fourteen when I was like keeping track of how long it had been since oh, I last wore yeah. shoes and it was close to like three weeks I think and Dude, like I had to go into a store or something like that that's impressive I was really bummed out that, that, is, that I had to put shoes on that's solid that's yeah. like wow yeah I remember like the first summer day like when you could finally yeah. take off your shoes well no when there's still snow on the ground <laughs> you're, like, you're like my feet aren't totally numb so that counts right come on <laughs> Getting the calluses on your feet. Right. Oh. Yeah, it's a good that time. That was a mark of pride. It was. It was. Heck yeah. Yeah, and then like when the skin would peel off and all that. And oh, yeah. Yeah, it would be painful sometimes, but then you or know. Or would like, you it's ever gonna... take a needle and then like put it up against the bottom of your foot and see how hard. Oh, you mean like after it got really calloused? To see uh, like how probably. hard the callus was. I probably did I that, yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you and me were, were basically the same person for a yeah. while. At the time, I don't think I thought that because we had a lot of like personality differences, yeah. but like the the kind of the stubbornness and pridefulness yeah. that we both carried and, like, was almost wanting identical. wanting to be really tough. Right. Yeah. yeah. Remember when we drank from a stream? Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was more was recent, that, though. Was it Renfest? That was, like, in high school. No. <laughs> that was, like... I don't remember. Wait, where was this? More recent than I... We were walking through Quarry Hill, and we came to that, like, oh, running yeah, stream yeah, yeah. in the springtime. Wait, and this we wasn't, like... like was it just the two you of us? Might as well. Yeah, was it just Okay, us then two? yeah, this was like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. hope that maybe three years ago. Anyway, uh, I'm wiser now. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I remember one time we were walking in a big group and they were around uh um I'm trying to think of the nearest it was like if you like keep following the path behind the high V um south. Yeah. Kind of by like crossroads and you keep walking up a ways. Sure. And then there's like that little like little island kind of in the middle. Yeah. And so we like we could wade out to that island just fine. Uh-huh. But then there was this, a deeper patch just beyond. And so we oh were like goodness. wading around Wait, or whatever. Was this, us? this was you and me, and then it was oh, also like Logan goodness. and Molly yes, and a bunch of different that. people. Yeah. And so it was just we were out there and we were like and we waiting. Were pretending and we were like to be blue and <laughs> Well, first it was just like, let's just kind of splash around, you know, have, and it was like, Oh, I got a little bit wet. No, you got a little bit wet. And then I was like, oops, my pants are a little bit wet. Might as well jump in the rest and then we right. ended up just swimming the rest of the time up exactly. that river everyone else was just like walking Walk. elegantly along the bike path and we were like, we're like swimming along with come them. join us yeah. they were like yeah this no, is we're so fine. fun and then uh, a year later or something you it was just you and me going yeah. for a walk and we were like i think we were purposely seeking <laughs> I think we kind of were because we got there and we were like hey remember that one time <laughs> yeah <laughs> should we do it again though <laughs> That was sure. fun. That was that a good was time. That was a fun time. Yeah. We gotta find that stream again. Yes. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah. Yeah. There was a sp- couple spots that were pretty deep in that river. Like yeah, right along the bike were. path. Where you could like swim, and it was yeah. a, it's pretty wide and all that. I couldn't have touched. Could you yeah. touch in those deepest spots? I think there were a couple of spots where like if I like dunked underwater and yeah. went straight down, I could, I could after a minute, but, but it was a solid like foot below wow. where I was. So it was pretty Minnesota, deep. land of many lakes. Yeah. Well, this was a river. Did you know land that, of many <laughs> rivers. Did you know that Olmstead County um, is the only county in Minnesota that doesn't have a natural lake? I knew that. Mm-hmm. And I'm always so upset because You're... now in Nashville, everyone's like, 
oh yeah, you lo- must love rivers when they right. find out. Mm-hmm. I mean lakes. Yes. <laughs> when they find out that I'm from Minnesota and I have to be like. Yeah, I had to go out of town to I, find yeah. them, but. <laughs> find them. And then so this is funny. Me and Eamon were telling Mal the other day about. Um, Foster Aaron's, which is a oh, man-made yeah. lake in Rochester. And disgusting. And disgusting. <laughs> and a dog died <laughs> from like... What? You didn't know about this? No. There was one summer, so it had only been open. I mean, I don't remember... It didn't come under my radar until yeah. like probably the past 10 years or something like okay. that. So it was fairly... As It might have... Maybe it's been there for 40 years. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this, this dog got some fungal disease and like... Oh. Like drank it and got some <gasps> infected with something and then died and then they Wait, closed down. What? Yeah, they closed down the entire lake for like a year. And so me and Eamon were joking about it that God was like, this is the only place that if it doesn't have a lake, it doesn't have a lake, guys. <laughs> you guys, I've been trying to Don't tell try to, you. Remember Tower of Babel? Remember how that ended up? Remember like everything in the Old Testament? That's so <laughs> funny. Oh my goodness. So yeah, we're the only county in Minnesota without a natural lake. That's really funny. That'll oh, do it. Man disappointing yeah yeah well Anton was challenging me about 10,000 lakes in Minnesota and was he, he like quizzing you yeah, no well he was he didn't think it was real he was oh. questioning mm. our license plate so he googled it and he was looking at what some of the lakes we consider to be lakes yeah and some of them are like only seven like inches deep well and like it's like is so a, this a lake? so i i heard that yeah. a lake is a lake if there is a point where there is no vegetation underneath huh so if the sun can still get through and like create vegetation at the bottom okay. then it's a pond even okay. if it's like three miles wide okay and a lake can be a lake even if it's only 10 feet wide but there's no vegetation underneath yeah i think there I'm were some sure. questionable ones there are on some the list yeah. Because um, I think if technically how Wisconsin defines lakes, hmm. they technically have more lakes. <laughs> we but have, we, what is a lake? We have a higher standard for lakes, which yeah. means that we have 10,000, and they have a lower standard, which means they count a lot of other things. Oh, so they actually have like 1,100 or something. Because I've heard, I've Googled this before. Of course, <laughs> This yeah. is very important to me. And I've heard that like Florida and other states, like there's a lot of other states that say they have more lakes than mm. us. So, wow. but they're still on the land of 10,000 lakes yeah. or the land of sky blue waters. You know what? It doesn't matter anymore. I'm a volunteer now. I got the, the my license. Volunteer what? Tennessee. Tennessee. Did you not know where the volunteers stay? Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, I was confused for a second. Okay, yeah. good job. Thank you. So you have a yeah. Tennessee plate on your car now? Not the plate. The driver's license. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I plan to get a license, a drive. Because I just saw your car plate. and the front plate is still Minnesota. Yeah. And you don't need a front plate here in Tennessee. So I could keep it. So you could Minnesota keep it, but that would probably be confusing. It would I don't be. know. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. 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 Anyway. No, yeah, I have a Tennessee license too. They only, mm-hmm. you, you, version, right? Mm-hmm. You only apparently need to get them every eight years. In Minnesota, it's every what? four years. I don't have to renew Dang. mine until like 2028 or something. Why or haven't we... Long. Minnesota. I know. Come on. Like that's, that's heck nice. yeah. I'm down for that. I like that. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's that. That's that. Well, We're these... official. <laughs> we did it, March. <laughs> we Congratulations. Did it. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Well, that's our segment on Marge injuries mm-hmm. and Minnesota stories. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're at these days. Exactly. Um. So, question for you, Marge. Yes. 
is all storytelling emotional manipulation? Mm. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I haven't thought deeply about it because you just asked me <laughs> it a few seconds ago. But like my just initial now. my initial response, and I don't know exactly how I would verbalize it, but we can talk through it. Mm-hmm. My initial response would be no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. My initial response would be yes. Oh, really? But, okay, let's talk about this. But here's the thing that I think is different. So I think every good story mm-hmm. that we talk about, we've said, you know, we people use the term, it, it transported me to a new place, right? Yeah. I was so engrossed in it like I I wasn't paying attention to anything else except the story that was being presented to me I was connected with the characters I felt for them Um, I was emotionally invested in how the story would play out so maybe this is the distinction is mm -hmm, because if I created like a fake online persona Mm -hmm. and was like flirting with someone on the internet that would be weird. And I like got them emotionally invested in me and we like yeah. had an online relationship, even though I completely created it. Yeah. That would be a, a manipulative, I would say. Yeah. Or the, or at the very least cowardly and dishonest or whatever. Yeah. So that is wrong. Yeah. But a book does a similar thing, right? See, my initial reaction is no. Because you so, know it's fiction going in or? I think... Okay. I think that the scenario where you describe you're flirting with someone, trying to make them like you um, with, like, bad intentions. I think in good stories, the person isn't necessarily trying to make their audience, like, trick their audience or make their audience come to one conclusion. I think they're <clears throat> telling um, a, a truthful story and allowing that to work in whatever way it does. Like, up, upon the audience, I don't know. If I, I, I just think about myself in writing a story, in the stories I've written, I don't know if I've ever sat down and thought like I want to make my audience feel this exact thing or trick them or like do whatever in maybe some stories could be right I mean I'm thinking through and I'm thinking I don't think I don't think Harper Lee sat down to write To Kill a Mockingbird and before she had written anything said I want my audience to feel sad about certain things you know I think good writing will like we've talked about in the past Mm -hmm. will give room for the story to go to its natural place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Well, then we get into the question of like authorial uh, intent. Yeah. Authorial intent? I don't remember how to pronounce it. The intent of the author. I um, knew none of those words. You could have just picked one. <laughs> I would have been like, yes. I would have agreed correct. with you regardless of, of which one I didn't understand. Um, the, the like the intent of yeah, the, the creator, author. right? Sure. So, yes, but you do think at different points in your stories, you get to a point in the story and you go, "How is the audience going to react to this?" Mm-hmm. You do want to have For the audience sure. in mind. Yeah. 
So, so what is the distinction? Because you, do, you don't want the audience to be an afterthought either. Mm-hmm. So what is the distinction between how is the audience going to react to this versus um, I want the audience to react this way? If you have a moment in the story where something sad happens and you, you know, a character dies Mm -hmm. and you wanted the audience to be invested in that character and be attached to them so that they felt sad when that character dies, what's the difference between going, I want them to feel sad and I want to tell this good story and this is what they should be feeling at this point when this happens to this character? I mean, I think my initial response is just like having faith that if humans hear about other humans like i don't know dying or going through a hard time they will feel sad yeah i guess i wouldn't think like i would be sitting there like oh my goodness how do i make someone feel like they're not gonna cry enough horrible like about someone like dying or something um i think i mean as artists we do try and think about like how can we best convey what this person is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just something I think about because... Sure. I've, I think I mentioned this on the past. There's this YouTube channel called Say Goodnight Kevin where this guy, Kevin mm. McCreary, I think I mentioned it to you. Yeah. He reviews Christian movies. And a lot of what he talks about is how this is emotional manipulation to Christians or to non-Christians. Because you, you, you prevent, yeah. I think a lot of Christian movies are like here's the message front and center, which is like a good thing that you're trying to communicate, but you're not putting any effort into actually giving us a reason why we should care about this character other than the fact that they quoted that scripture and they appear to be living a virtuous life, but there's no actual substance to their character. So from a faith standpoint, it's like what you're saying is true from a, from a artistic literary standpoint, it's not very good because there's no substance. There's nothing to connect to. So he talks about how, he thinks that a lot of Christian movies are just really, really lazy because they they rely on that. They rely on the message over the story. Yeah. And he said that if you put message before your story, sure. both of them will suffer. And I think that's true. Yeah. Um, I think what, and that's the thing is like, he on one of he's on a, a podcast and on one of the podcasts they're talking about how to avoid being preachy, mm-hmm. and and one of the things he was talking about was here's this movie that I think is really preachy and it's not preachy because what it's preaching is anything. He's talking about Wonder Woman at the very end of the first Wonder Woman. He feels like it gets a little preachy because it communicates really clearly spoiler alert for Wonder Woman right before Steve goes up in the plane. He feels like that's the message of the movie is him talking to her saying, or, or what he thinks the message should be. And I think would have been a more powerful thing is like some men are bad. Some men are good. And we need to just like, take care of the of the good people and try and protect them from the bad people and you know we need each other we need community we need to to fight for the good things and then at the end then she goes in this whole speech about i i fight for family and live for love or something like that Uh is one of her lines and he feels like that's preachy and he and he said i don't disagree with that fighting Uh for family and living for love i don't disagree with that but i feel like it was a little too on the nose and and car um (laughs) It was just too on the nose, and it was kind of bad. He, sure. he felt like the message was just restated like four times in the last t- 20 minutes of that sure. movie, as opposed to other movies that he – I don't remember any of them off the top of my head, and I haven't seen any of them, where he, he felt like they communicated it really, really well. Even if the conclusion was something he disagreed with, he felt like it yeah. was a better movie because yeah. it was better. That's a, a different thing. But anyway, um, he just talks about – Mm. 
whether whether you're saying something true or not true, mm-hmm. I think when you're doing it in the form of a story, in the yeah. form of fiction, creating a good story, a good narrative should be the top mm-hmm. priority. Does that make sense? Do you disagree mm-hmm. with that? Um, I don't know if I would seclude them like that. Mm. I don't know if I would be like, it's either like first a good story or first a good moral. Like, I think those things can go perfectly hand in hand. Yes, I think they can. Um, I, I, like if I was telling a story about my life, I would, I would, or about anyone's life, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would think, try and like, tell in the most interesting and compelling way by would also want to like put into it like why I think it is meaningful or like why what about it I want hope that the audience can connect with and um get from it sure so I don't think they're necessarily at war with each other right I don't think necessarily yeah I think I think there's a lot now that you were talking about that, I think, in going back to your first question, I think that there are some stories that could be, or that are um, manipulative. What did you say? Emotionally manipulative. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I think there are some stories that are that, but like good stories, I don't think do that. Right. Yeah. So... Two examples I want to bring up. Yeah. One is a story you just told about skateboarding. <laughs> the story was, I went down a hill, I picked up too much speed, this family was watching, I didn't want to jump off because I wanted to show them that I could do this, yeah. and I toppled off and it hurt. The moral was, don't be prideful and remember to swerve so that you can try and slow, you know, you know, slow yourself it's down. Important. Right? <laughs> yeah. So there was like a moral, a message, a takeaway from that right. experience in your life, but you also told us, but if you led with, hey, make sure to swerve or else you'll topple over. Uh There wouldn't have really been any context for it yet. And then by the time we had the context, it wouldn't have just really, you know. Yeah. It wouldn't have hit in the same way. You know, like when, uh, like, there's a teacher or, like, a, like, parent figure, like, in movies, and they come in at the end, and you know it's, like, the time for the dad talk. They sit down, and it feels like they're making up a story from their life, and they're like, you know, when I was a kid, I had a skateboard, (laughs) and I was going down too fast. But I did it because I was prideful. And it feels disingenuous. Like, yeah. I think... So um, what makes the difference? Well... So here's the other thing. Yeah. And I know this will get you fired up and we don't have to stay on this too long. Because La La Land. I was, yes. Are you serious? Yes. It's cool. been a couple episodes since we've talked about La La oh my Land. Goodness. So I No, can't. just really quick. You have said though that you think like as far as it looks great, the dancing yes. is great, the music's great, like the colors it. are amazing, the cinematography is beautiful, the, the chemistry between the characters is awesome. As far from all technical vantage points, you think it's yeah. a good movie, right? It is a thumbs up yes. for visuals and cinematography. Yes. I aspire. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a, yes. So, but. In music? I was listening to the, <laughs> that one song, the. Another Day of Sun. Lovely Night. Lovely Night. That's, That's a, good, a song. good song. That is a good song. Yeah. Um, but your interpretation of what the message is, you mm-hmm. disagree with. It's true. Right. It's true. So, 
from from your own just real quick just sorry i know you have no, things to say go. but from your perception is that story emotionally manipulative do you feel like that movie is trying to trick you into thinking something that you don't think without that movie hmm. or I sorry know. i have a follow-up no, to that you go, you go. well just trick you into something yeah. you, you wouldn't uh, maybe i phrased it wrongly but movies stories should have some elements should have truth in them right yeah should have things that absolutely. are relevant and important yeah. things to remember principles to live by yeah for sure and sometimes you know those principles going in and sometimes you don't or sometimes yeah. you know ratatouille is an example of a movie that i think perfectly and beautifully exemplifies the importance of a comedy the yeah. importance of seeing good prevail and evil become redeemed mm -hmm. and seeing community be important you know all the great elements of, of a comedy are in ratatouille yeah and i think it, it beautifully exemplifies it and it, it to me showed me things about like oh this is what stories can be and these are things that i want to live my life by that i hadn't thought of before yeah so in la la land does it show you things you haven't thought of before that i'll just go back to my original question do you feel like it's yeah. trying to trick you into into thinking that into thinking something you disagree with um I think so. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a good way to put it. I'm a little nervous to get into La La Land because... You mean Anton had a pretty heated debate <laughs> recently. <laughs> We've had some discussions. <laughs> the most tension in a relationship, La La Land. La La Land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we can we can get into it a little bit if you want to. No, we don't have to. We don't have to go into the super specifics of that yeah. movie in particular. But you feel like that movie is trying to manipulate you. Yeah, into and I I feel like knowing the context that it is in today, and knowing the the masses and how they receive it, and all of the other agendas in our world. It, it bothers me because I struggle with not seeing how people couldn't, like, I guess, interpret it in mm. the way that I think okay. people will interpret it. Sure. <laughs> Except for, like, people who are like you, who are really thoughtful and cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, you think I have the incorrect interpretation of the movie. Yeah. Um, I think you have a interpretation of it that a lot of people wouldn't have mm. i guess maybe the thing that bothers me the most is why i think people are taking away from it and why i think damien <laughs> chazelle meant by it okay yeah okay so setting that example aside yeah. then what about ratatouille what if you didn't, you, you, okay, so I sent you this video, yes. Ayn Rand. Did you watch that one? I did. So animation style is kind of cool, right? I mean, it's pretty simple, but I feel like it was like a fun, the visuals that were like. Oh my goodness, the animation of that was so cool. Wasn't that fun? I like that. That like made me so happy because <laughs> I feel like there's, there, you can do animation quick and fast <laughs> But still beautiful. You don't need to like do commercial. Yeah. Like the thing about it, I was like, okay, why is this animation good and beautiful? But I'm sorry to all the Simpsons fans, but <laughs> the Simpsons is not. And I was like, oh, it's because 
the art for The Simpsons was for commercializing. They mm. wanted it to be commercialized. Interesting. Where this this animation, this art, like it's not going to be turned into this big like commercial money making thing. It was right. made for like the beauty and like the artistic um, skill of it. I think. So that's. Anyway. The, that was my rant right. <laughs> for those who don't know i i found there's this youtube channel called uh blank on blank i think is what it's called and it takes these random different interviews of different so people so it's like one of them was like these two kids who interviewed louis armstrong way back in the 60s uh-huh. and it animates like that interview i saw one and, with ronald reagan oh yeah that yeah yeah fun. so there's a bunch that are really cool i'll and uh this one that i sent to marge was one with uh of ayn rand this interview of ayn rand who was a like writer philosopher from i think uh the, her anthem or her novel anthem which i just read i would recommend oh, it to you, you? Yeah, have okay. you read it no okay. i haven't i'd recommend it i think you would like it or <laughs> i so that's let me oh, just hold on to that for a second so live put anthem in her top 10 favorite books i think okay. um it was pretty near the top it was in the top five i think but um ayn rand's philosophy is very it's, it's, it's called i think it's called objectivism and it's very focused on how humans are inherently selfish. Therefore, or, or everything that we do is for has selfish intentions. There is no way to love everyone equally without love itself losing its merit. Which I think is an interesting idea. I don't agree with it. Yeah. I think that that is. I think her her conclusions are incorrect. Mm-hmm. From from the. 30 minutes of research I looked into mm-hmm. her her ideas and, and philosophy right. and all that. I think her, her conclusions are incorrect, but she points out a lot of things that I think are important to think about mm-hmm. and, to, and to be aware sure. of. Anyway, so this video, why did I bring that up? I don't remember if I brought that up for the video or for Ayn Rand's philosophy. <laughs> but, uh, you no, mentioned the, her book also. Right. Okay, so real quick, I just want to talk about the video for one second because yeah, it is really, really true. good, and I think it's really good because... It's so, it's like black and white outline. It's not, there's not crazy elements of depth perception or or anything, you know, there's no, there's no color, I don't think at all. There's no like field of of depth or anything like that. Um, Am I saying that right? I think so. Depth perception? I think I said that as well. Anyway, it's like very simple, but it goes into these not abstract illustrations, but these... um, cartoonish examples yeah. of what she's talking about. And so it's like she's the, the her and the interviewer are, are talking in this very like matter of fact tone and the animation can be is very like over the top and cartoonish at times. Yeah. So I think it's like a really it makes you it it, it, it um further accentuates what they're saying yeah. and also and gives you visual components going along with it anyway. It's a great video. I would I'd yeah. recommend watching it. Her book Anthem. I don't want to spoil it for you cuz I do want you to read it. Sure. But it is very, the message uh-huh. is very much in line with her philosophy, okay. which I disagree with. Right. But I don't read the book and feel like I'm being manipulated. Mm-hmm. I don't read the book and feel like she's trying to convince me of anything really. Yeah. Wait, can I ask her yes. a question? Why do you like the book? One, I think it's written really well. Okay, I think sure. she is, is very good at describing... Describe getting into the head and the mentality yeah. of it's, it's kind of this like dystopian futuristic novel about this, mm-hmm. this like communist society um, where the idea of individuality is completely extinguished. And mm-hmm. like, and one of the mantras is like anything done alone is done in evil. Anything done collectively must be good. Um, careful there. 
Um, so I think that that idea is something that's just a lot of dystopian novels have that. Um, and I think this one portrays it really, really well. And it really gets into the head of the main character who is completely knows is drawn to do something on his own and completely knows what I'm doing is wrong and frowned upon by society and still trying to appeal to society and also rebelling against it. I think it's just, it's a really good guy that kind of plays with a conflict within that mm -hmm. and like how his mind is so made up and he has so much resolution with it, but then the book goes on yeah. and how it resolves or whatever. Um, so I think what you're saying is kind of like why I, I like La La Land. Like I like the, like, um, in sure. one sense, I like La La Land. I like the way it was made. And I think you're saying the same thing about this book. Like, I like the way it was made. I disagree with them, like, with what she's trying to say or, like, yeah. do. But, like, and I the think, art form is good. And I think I would say the same of La La Land, not Damien Chazelle is wrong. Mm -hmm. Because, and I think you and me have heard different interviews with him. And on yeah. some interviews that I've heard... I think like, oh, he was trying something. He didn't feel, I, I didn't hear anything that, that made it, mm -hmm. like he was making any grander commentary on society mm -hmm. or anything like that. You said you've, you've heard others. Yeah. Um, so we can compare notes afterwards. <laughs> but uh, I think La La Land is an excellent movie. Mm -hmm. I think the, again, the resolution that the characters come to within the movie is incorrect. I think the same thing of Dead Poet sure. Society, where uh -huh. I think that movie is beautifully made. That's, it's an amazing movie. And I think I see these characters be flawed and not do the right thing over and over. I think there's a lot of those stories. I just read The Great Gatsby, too. Have you yeah, read The Great Gatsby? Right. I've seen the movie. I haven't read And it. that's a story. I was talking to Chuck about this today. I feel like so many of the characters are so passive. Mm -hmm. There aren't really any characters that are like, this is what I want. Yeah. It's almost entirely, I guess that's happening. Sure, okay. All yeah. right, I'll go along with it. This is going on now. And... I don't, I just like at the end of the book, I was like, I, well, okay, that's what happens when you, you know, uh -huh. when you, you as Gatsby come up with this identity of what a millionaire sure. tycoon looks like. And if you keep that 17 year old idea in your head for years and years and years and years and live solely for yourself and your own ambition, mm -hmm. like, yeah, it'll catch up to you at a certain point yeah. and you will lose empathy and you will lose compassion for others. Um, so... I don't feel like the resolution of The Great Gatsby is we should all live like Gatsby, even if it's kind of sad sometimes. I think the resolution is don't do that, guys. Yeah. That's a bad thing. It's a cautionary tale. Uh, yeah. I, don't I know think I sometimes I see what you're saying. And I think when I get nervous about certain stories is when it feels like, yeah, this could be a cautionary tale or this could be like... Um, a tragedy, a tragedy, mm -hmm. but it's portrayed as either like a comedy or like a, a romance or like more right. like a drama. Like it seems like they're kind of masking that sure. and like trying to have you accept the story um, in uh, inverse. Like, sure. you know, on the inverse, like, doing, a, taking the opposite, like, look sure. of it. And so if you can look, why I love tragedies and, like, um, cautionary tales is because you can look at that and you can experience, like, the harm of, I mean, these, like, characters in Great Gasp, uh, Gatsby, who's, yeah. like, <laughs> who's <Yeah. laughs> trying, who's, like, 
worlds are like they're completely living for themselves. Right. And it just you feel the consequence of that in that end. Right. Um but then in movies, not naming anyone specifically, but Lalaland or Dead Poets Society, and certain movies where it feels like they're selfish or they make bad choices, but in the end, it can feel like um, that that it feels like kind of what you were saying earlier that the writer is trying to manipulate you emotionally to think that it's actually the good choice. Mm -hmm. So to follow that up, you talked about like sometimes they will try they'll like mask the tragedy and something else. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you feel like that can ever be like purposeful to kind of bring it a step further where it shows this tragedy that naturally you would go like, oh, that's horrible, but it tries to mask it up in this like glorified way where then some people are like, oh, great, awesome. But then like deeper down, you're like, that's all that, that adds to the tragedy is seeing the characters within the story glorify this horrible thing. Does that make sense? And I can't think of any examples off the top of my head that, that do that. But yeah. you know, those stories that like on the road to Verona was, is like that close to being a tragedy. It's that close to like being entirely about, you know, the, the people will betray you. People will turn on you. People are selfish. People mm-hmm. don't care about these really important people in their mm-hmm. lives and they only care about their own intent. Yeah. It's that close to being a tragedy mm-hmm. and it's turned around in the last second and it becomes a story about forgiveness and redemption and yeah. in community, you know, all the, all the great yeah. comedy things. Um, do you feel like we were being manipulative to tricking the audience into thinking this might be a tragedy guys? You know what I mean? Um, I don't think so because even in comedies, um, you look at the evil, like there's always evil within comedies. There's always still a bad guy and, um, darkness within comedy. Do you, but it's rejoicing in the end. It's the rejoicing that the, good always wins wouldn't you say there's evil it doesn't evil have to exist in any story isn't there yeah i would say so okay for sure and evil can doesn't have to be exist in the form of an antagonist necessarily a conflict yeah yeah so yeah the point of a comedy is good will win evil can be redeemed yeah we can extend forgiveness to each other and the point of a tragedy is what is it solely cautionary tale or are there tragedies that are, that are, what's the cautionary tale in Hamlet? I haven't ever read uh, Hamlet. Really? Yeah, I know. It's, to be honest. It's embarrassing. Have you ever? I have. I don't. Could you tell me the plot like of Hamlet? It. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean, I can't. Okay. Oh, I just don't, don't like it. I don't dislike it. Oh, I just like, I read it and I'm like, okay. I just don't see this as, as good yeah. as a lot of other things. What's your favorite Shakespeare? Probably Much Ado About okay. Nothing. That's a good one. Or maybe, I don't know. I like As You Like It. I, I yeah, As You Like It probably be my next my one. sister Abby was starring in it. She was. And that she did a good job. Happy. She yeah. was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I think that was my first, yeah, that was my first Shakespeare show. And I had lines in it and everything. Did you? Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah. 
And that's also why it's my favorite. Because <laughs> yeah. I had like four lines Those in one four scene. four lines. Yeah. Actually, I think I only had two. I think the character had four lines and it was split between me and another person. That's amazing. Anyway. Um, oh, why don't you like Hamlet? I don't dis... Okay, I think the story is cool. I think it makes sense and the characters are... I just like when it... The, 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 the dialogue itself, the text itself. Yeah. People point out these like genius things that it does and I just see it. I mean, as a historical text, I'm like, yeah, it was one of the first plays that was like, let's really delve into it. It's, it's almost entirely from one person's perspective. Mm. It's it's a great portion of it is internal dialogue, is comparing, being very conflicted within oneself. Yeah. So yes, historically, it's, it's, it's something that like without Hamlet, I'm, plenty of other works wouldn't exist yeah. that I do like. Um, but as a, and maybe it's just because I look at prime, not like what is good for any time, but just good at the standard that mm-hmm. I have arbitrarily set for myself. And I say like, as far as stories about internal conflict and internal dialogue sure. go, I think there are plenty of stories that do it better. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, and I'm not for the longest time yeah. when like we would do apologia with your dad, yeah. you guys were big on talking about the message of things. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, I don't. Like, I did not grow up talking about the message, or at least not in those terms. We're literally, we will watch a movie, and then at the end of it, my dad will bring out all these <laughs> notes. Remember him, like, kind of organizing yeah. his notes? And he had no, and he was like, at one and point, one of the characters the says, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were there That's to, like, good. study the film yeah, and study the true. grander ideas yeah. that it was, and like, talking about or whatever. But Yeah, we previously, like, before we watched the movie, had this right. big, long, like, it was like, let's talk Lessons, about what, what, like, yeah, the sin of discussion. wrath. And then we yeah. watched Spider-Man 3 and we're like, so how is wrath exemplified in this movie? And what is the antidote to wrath? And, and we had already talked about it. What's the remedy know. to wrath? And yeah, it's forgiveness. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. But I was just, I remember you guys talking about that, the message over and over. And I was like, why do you guys keep harping on this? I don't Are remember you guys thinking care? about it. Yeah. But I think part of it is for Hamlet, I, I kind of, it's over and I'm like, oh, and maybe that is the point, is to be like, that in the end was kind of futile. In the yeah. end, nothing really changed. And yeah. he kind of made things worse. Whereas like Sweeney Todd, I kind of think the same, where it's like, I guess you you don't know Sweeney Todd. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that I would say is a tragedy, but it's like an ironic tragedy because the character- there's fun music. There is really fun music. <laughs> it's a really great show. Um, yeah. It's a tragedy, but it's, an, it's, it's ironic because the hero is- a horrible person is doing horrible things. Hmm. And it's one of those where, where you are, you can look at like, okay, look at what the, the hero so-called of the story, Sweeney Todd, what does he do compared to what the villain does? Which one is worse? And you can like, at a point you, you know, at a certain point at the very beginning, you're like, okay, I think obviously the villain has done worse things, but by the end of act one, all of a sudden you're going, well, wait a second though. And then especially as the show goes, the lines get blurrier and blurrier and the hero starts doing worse and worse things. So again, but but you, I would say that and maybe this is an example. Sweeney Todd manipulates you into rooting for Sweeney Todd, even as you're seeing him do these atrocious things. And the point of the story is at the very end, the chorus says, "Perhaps today you gave a nod to Sweeney Todd," kind of calling you out on that and being like, "You were rooting for him, weren't you? You you were engaged. You were you were cheering him on." But look at what he was doing. And it kind of, at the very end, you were like, step back and go, wait a second. Wow, I was like, and I think the point of it is to show we all have like horrible evil that can, that, that can come out within us that we need to uh-huh. fight against, right? Interesting. So 
I wouldn't say it's manipulation in the sense of like you should all go out and kill people and turn them into pies. I don't think that's what the point of Sweeney Todd is. The point of the the, the point of next s- time you serve me a pie, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be looking around. <laughs> um, the point of Sweeney Todd's life is pointless. He did evil things and he ended up well. Spoilers, things oh, happen. No, yeah. what? I think the, an audience's takeaway is wow that was a horrible, horrible man that I was on the side of for a large portion of it. I wanted him to get his revenge. And I think similarly in a, in a, well, I was going to say similarly in a very different way, which isn't quite the same as similarly. Um, but I don't know. I just think that I that's what, when I can't make a comment on Sweeney yeah. Todd because I haven't seen it. So maybe I will love it. <laughs> Who knows? I guess when I hear you talking about it, there's something that makes me uncomfortable yeah. about like thinking that because it do, that does feel manipulative, even though they point it out at, in the end. But like, that makes me uncomfortable. I, and that's part of it. Part of the huh. experience of the story is you feeling uncomfortable. There are parts to Kill a Mockingbird that make me uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that that's my favorite book, uh-huh. you know? And there are portions of it that I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like mm-hmm. being in the situation with these characters. I'm not sure. I think, hmm. I think you're feeling though uncomfortable for two different re- reasons in those two okay. books slash play um, stories is because one, you're like living. So to kill a mockingbird, you're living with these people in uncomfortable situations. But it sounded like, correct me mm. if I'm wrong, but with Sweeney Todd, you were feeling uncomfortable because it feels like they manipulated you to feel pity and um, to root for, like, this evil man. And, like, I to me, those yeah. are, like, two different kinds sure. of you're, yeah. being uncomfortable. In, in To Kill a Mockingbird, you're uncomfortable because you are empathizing with the characters right. who are uncomfortable yeah. sure whereas Sweeney Todd I would say part of it is you're uncomfortable because there's nothing you can do and you're just watching these events sure. unfold and yeah part of the uncomfortable is the resolution at the end where you realize how uncomfortable you are with the person you were while watching it right. but again I think that that's I think it's manipulation in the same way that therapy is manipulation in the same way that therapy, part of the purpose of that is to hold a mirror up to yourself for you to understand where am I, where is my head at, how do I deal with these things. I think Sweeney Todd is kind of similar. I think there's ways of doing that that aren't manipulative or like or lying to you though. I guess the way I, I'm all about showing the audience like yeah, you're bro- like you're, we're all broken. Right. Like I <laughs> <laughs> completely on board hey, with that message. I'm all all on board. <laughs> yeah, ugly kid. No, we're all <laughs> we're all you like, ugly kid. <laughs> we're all like broken, and uh, I'm like fine. I'm fine with that message. But I guess the thing that bothers me is like doing it in a way that feels, I guess, like lying or like manipulative like i think there's ways that you don't have to trick the audience or like you don't have to lie to them you can do it in a truthful way that could point out like that brokenness within you sure 
Yes. But again, and, I haven't seen Swing Low. Right. So and so I, I guess know. that's the thing that, and this is kind of just my, the Emoji Movie and the Lego Movie mm, are Emoji Movie. Top Love. notch. <laughs> it's a cinematic experience to be sure. It's so good. It's one for the ages. Um, There's jokes in there. Yeah. The there, there are jokes and puns. They exist in there for sure. Um, but on the surface, those two movies are f- pretty similar. Very different. If you don't, oh. if you hadn't, no, there's, but that's when, take the Lego movie, the Emoji movie. If you hadn't seen them, didn't know any of the context or whatever, you just heard and heard the setup of both, they are very, very, very similar. You could say some corporate entity said, what's a really popular thing? Legos? Let's make a movie out of that. What's another popular thing? Emojis? Make a movie out of that. What's the story? A character's discontent with their settings and wants to break out of it, or a character's mm-hmm. recruited into uh, helping to save the world or whatever. Pretty, I mean, on pretty typical, not just for each other, but just a pretty typical story that exists in thousands of other movies. Yeah. But what makes them different is, is the intent behind the Lego movie is, look at how, cre- I mean, as Miller Lord saying, look at how creative these people are with, with Legos, just in their bedroom on, and then putting videos online. That's super awesome. What if we did an entire movie like that? What if the point of the movie was being creative? What if the point of the movie was about was about teaching people that it's not about you being in control, it's about you dealing with the controlling people, mm-hmm. right? Send in the micromanagers. Commencing micromanagement. <laughs> Sorry. I had an idea as you Here were we talking. Um, you, so I was thinking about like the difference between them, and I keep trying to tie them back to your original question. Right. Sorry. About, yeah, um, yeah. Emotionally, emotional manipulation. There you go. And um, I think that the way Miller and Lord wrote it was just more human. And let me explain that. I know that sounds... The Legos are more human than emojis. More human. Mm -hmm. No, um, the way they wrote it was more organic. And they allowed the, the characters to naturally go in the arc that they did where it felt like i think we already i already said all of this maybe on the last podcast (laughs) but um i'm gonna say again so listen um but like where it feels like the emoji movie it felt very cheaply made and they felt like they had to tell you the story and you had to feel these ways and they needed these characters to change and feel this way and they had this plot, and they made stuck these characters in, and made them feel these different ways yes. in the arc and stuff. Yes. And so that one felt more like manipulative or yes. whatever for and, that reason. And I would agree with you. And I think here's here's one thing: the Lego Movie does feel more natural, more human, more yeah. organic, even though the Emoji Movie creates a world that's more substantial in a way sure. that's more like parallel with itself. And part of the, and maybe and part of the point of the Lego movie is, is the fact that there are all these different worlds and all these different characters colliding with each other. Uh-huh. It's, and it's more chaotic. The movie is just chaotic within the first 15 minutes of the movie. There is so much happening where, where, yeah, if you just like stopped it after the first 15 minutes, you'd go like, what, what oh, is this? <laughs> hey fluffy fluffy junior fluffy senior jeff meow <laughs> um so it's but but i think you're right 
the emoji movie is more manipulative because it is like, well, you'll recognize these archetypes and these characters as opposed to the Lego movie was, I don't, I mean, that's it. That's where I get, this is where the waters get murky for me. Cause it's, it is like Vitruvius is a very obvious parody of Gandalf and Dumbledore and Obi-Wan. So and wait, what? Vitruvius from the Lego movie, Morgan Freeman's character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's a very obvious parody of all these, like the wizard leader sure. character. Wild Style is an obvious parody of like the 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 love interest that is super super tough, and yeah. you know what I mean. All these different characters, all these different archetypes that they're parodying. But why is that sincere? What's the difference between doing doing something like the Emoji Movie, where it, it does feel like it's manipulative and it's trying to be like, hey, as long as we do enough kind of flashy stuff, we can manipulate. I think primarily dumb parents into thinking that their kids are dumb so that they will go watch it and enjoy it regardless and, and not take into account the fact that children like have opinions and thoughts on things and I think should be exposed to quality storytelling from the beginning. Um, what's I can't I'm trying to figure out how to like consolidate this into a question, but yeah. like, we recognize story archetypes and stories, right? Yeah. We recognize those. And when they're sure. done well, we're like, that's a beautiful, I think Emmett is a beautiful representation of a Christ yeah. figure of, of being entirely selfless and sacrificing himself and being resurrected and redeeming the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's a very comedic <laughs> and tiny, tiny, tiny sinful representation, sinful in the sense that mm -hmm. inherently, right. but I do think that it's a beautiful representation uh -huh. of, the hero's journey and the Christ figure. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that in emoji in the emoji movie, yeah. even though I do see like they're trying to play out these specific beats to try and trick us into thinking, Oh, right. good movies have these types of beats. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Hmm. I think <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think about, this is how we talk. We, I, I just ramble for five minutes and then, I I you, you I ramble know, for I was five looking minutes. at the computer of like our speech <laughs> and it's like Aiden's is like big and then gone and then mine <laughs> is super big. And then, anyway, I wonder, this is just wondering in my head. It's all wondering. I don't have any. And that's the thing. I think I ask that's these questions the and people are like, oh, Aiden has an opinion. What do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. That's why I asked I you. Know. I want to get the ideas going. Exactly. I, I wonder... If some of it has to do with, again, sorry, I already said this, but I'm bringing it back up, um, is like if the way that Miller and Lord did it was more human in the sense of like they weren't approaching it to make money. Sure. They weren't like approaching it to sell a lot of toys. Right. In fact, they, that was their opposite goal. They were like, we don't want this to look like a big toy commercial. Right. And so I think just like the process of the way we make things impacts the story. Like the way to use an analogy that might help. Okay. <laughs> um, like when your mom puts in so much love and care in making a meal for you mm -hmm. and you eat that it tastes so good yeah. and you can like taste that in it right versus when you go to like a fast restaurant the sure. people are just like throwing things together right. and hand it to you i think in that you can realize sure. very clearly that 
the way you make something matters. And I think that also applies to stories and the way we um, approach that is going to have an impact on the final product and on like how people receive it. Sure. With that, I think I would go a step further and say, because obviously, you, you know, your mom can make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She can. <laughs> <laughs> I've had one. Yeah, it's good. pretty good. <laughs> With her homemade bread. Ooh. Um, mom, I miss you. It, it doesn't have to be any crazy complex meal. Your mom can make you just about anything and there will be this this very substantial emotional connection to that feel. she made it with love. She made it with love. She made it for you. She made it out of kindness and caring for yeah. you and providing for you. And that's a really awesome thing. But it's your mom and she can make just about anything. So, I mean, that's the, what happens when you don't know the person making what the food? I think, though, you can still make a story with love and with... I agree. Um, Whatever. <laughs> whatever adjectives you whatever. use. Um, <laughs> for what well, we've been talking. We've been talking a, a minute. <laughs> uh, um, without knowing the specific people that you're writing it for, maybe. Right. So from a audience perspective, we just recognize it. Yeah. We just recognize they Miller and Lloyd seem to care a lot more about the story of the Lego yeah. movie and the characters within it and about us connecting with it than the creators of the Emoji Movie did. Yeah. From you and my perspective, you and my's, <laughs> you know, English? you and my's. <laughs> Wasn't your father an English teacher? Yes, both my parents were. <laughs> Very smart, and it, it didn't all trickle down. Um, from, from our perspective, as people who want to create good stories that people will connect to, how to, how do, <laughs> goodness... <laughs> We'll wrap up soon. Just <laughs> how do you think? Yeah, how do you think we create things with that attitude of love and mm -hmm. of saying I, I care about this and I want other people to care to this, care about this. Goodness, what is happening? Without us trying to trick people into thinking things, with us honestly and naturally mm -hmm. letting our stories go where they should go and letting yeah. the audiences react how they should react. I think if you genuinely care about the story and you generally care about like making it with love i don't see how then it could become some manipulative way of just like pushing something on other people i just don't think those two things go hand in hand Okay. That was a really short answer. That was. It was pretty succinct. <laughs> that was shorter than any of my yeah. answers. So you think if... That makes sense. If you genuinely care for things, yeah. like it will how be would apparent you that you care for things. then make it into a sure. manipulative... In the same way that I don't necessarily love Ed Sheeran's music, yeah. but I listen to it and, and go, he seems invested. I listen to a lot of Taylor sure. Swift stuff and go, I don't really care for it, but he seems invested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As opposed to listening to, like, I won't name names, never mind. Name them. <laughs> I don't like Lizzo at all. Liz you don't like Lizzo? Do you like Lizzo, March? <laughs> okay, good. I was about to be to totally shocked if you were into Lizzo. <laughs> it just sounds so... Vikings. I know that's one of her songs. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings. <sighs> I just that's don't all like I know. her. Yeah. 
And I try to not Either like know way. anything. I that part, yeah, never mind. I won't go down that road. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So to conclude, to ask yeah. that original statement again, do you think all storytelling is emotional manipulation? No. You're sticking to that. Not all. Some. Yes. But not all. Okay. I would still say, okay, I would say no in the sense I think yeah. that, that most people think of it. I would say yes in the term that, in a sense, stories are, good stories trick you into caring about yeah, something that doesn't I, exist. Do we need to? Maybe, and maybe <laughs> that's the thing. It's about the thing, maybe it's the, the fact that it doesn't exist. Because because there are people who don't like fiction because they know this isn't real. I can't. I don't. I don't care. And they prefer biographies but and history books and all that. They know it doesn't exist. Like right. The author Which isn't is, trying to trick. No. No. Them no. 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 So that and that's. I'm just bringing that up to say like there are people who who mm-hmm. can't get invested in fiction mm-hmm. because they know it's not real. So there's nothing to get invested in as far as they know, as far as they care, as far mm-hmm. as they think. Right. So they just don't read fiction. Mm-hmm. I like fiction because. It does get me invested in something that is not real mm-hmm. because it can tell me this absurd story about Lego but I don't characters. Think that's being manipulative. No, no, but I, I, I agree. I'm yeah. not saying it's inherently manipulative. I'm, I'm saying in the broad sense of like when you think of manipulation, it is convincing your brain subconsciously of something different than your reality or the right thing. Does that make sense? If you think of it like that, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's. Uh, yeah i agree with you i don't i i here's here's the thing yeah. if i heard a story about an, uh, that happened in the news sure about an old man who flew his house to south america with balloons of and course. a little boy and they found this bird and brought a talking dog back mm-hmm. i'd go that's totally absurd i don't care that's like way too absurd what is happening this mm-hmm. world's falling apart but somehow up is able to exist and i love those characters and i love that story and i love that movie Right. I don't feel manipulated into it though, Mm -hmm. but it did trick subconsciously trick my brain into feeling for these people. Yeah. And it it did it in a way that it's natural and organic and realistic and is made with love and genuinely cares about these characters in the story and wants you to be invested. I'm not sure if it tricked you though. I don't think it ever tricked you. I don't know. Why, why would I cry if I didn't actually think that Ellie was dying? Because it wasn't, you knew I don't think at any point you actually thought she um existed I think you thought about like your loved ones and about like no I I've every time I watch up and that scene happens it's always it's a collective thing Uh because I know everyone who's in that movie and loves that movie loves Ellie. Yeah. Loves the character of Ellie. And every time that scene happens, it's like we collectively, all the people who yeah. love this movie, we've lost Ellie. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a, just as powerful every single time, this collective, we've lost her again. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it's partially me sympathizing with Carl, but very little. Most of okay. it is the fact that I lost this, this Ellie, this uh-huh. character, this amazing thing that I love. Okay. So anyway, sorry. I see what you're saying. I'm not sure there's something in my brain that's like, hmm. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. <laughs> well, that's that. <laughs> that's it. We're not entirely. If anyone made it 
through the yeah. two hours. Congratulations. <laughs> it's only an hour. It randomly, I don't know why it counts. Why does way. it say two hours? I don't, I, it just starts at one and then. Oh, it so, I was yeah. concerned. I was <laughs> like, oh my goodness, no one. I gotta get back to work. This. Aiden. <laughs> no, it's okay. okay. This is about the average length of an episode. So. Oh, cool. So cool. we're good. Well, yeah, I mean. Long. Then, if you've made it through that. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, we've had longer episodes than this. We talked with Dave about Tilly Have Faces for like an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not many people <laughs> listen to that one, though. <laughs> Rock on. Well, thanks for listening to the show, folks. Peace out, you guys. Oh, can you say... That was my sign out. <laughs> that was pretty good, but can you say, uh, join us next week for a brand new episode of... Join us next week for a brand new episode of... Between Takes... Thank you.